Hello, this is Dr. Mike Barnett with the First Baptist Church of Ocean Springs, Mississippi. Thank you so very much for tuning in to our podcast, and I pray that today's message will be a blessing and an encouragement to you. We are engaging our people at First Baptist Church in an emphasis called Who's Your Mission? It is a challenge to personal soul winning and personal evangelism for the year 2023. We've asked our people to ask God for at least one soul to be burdened for that they might go after that soul and win them to the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the theme of these current messages. And I pray that they will encourage you to be a soul winner and go after one soul that needs to be saved now and to know Jesus now. I pray these messages will help you. And again, thank you for tuning in. I'll tell you a a little story about that old veteran I just told you about. In West Monroe or Monroe, Louisiana, there's a restaurant called Coney Island. It's right there on the river. And it's it's not uh, the place that um, Miss Tracy likes for me to go eat because it's chili cheese dogs and chili cheeseburgers and stuff like that. That's what it's known for. And uh, so, and they've been there for years, decades. So one day I was talking to Brother Earl, and I said, Earl, you're out there in the Pacific floating around. Your ship's sinking. You had to get away from it so it wouldn't suck you in, and men are burned, and you're covered with oil and swimming in that oil, and he said, yeah, and enemy planes, he didn't use the word enemy, but he said enemy planes would sweep down on us and strafe us and the oil would catch fire. And he said, uh, we're looking for rafts and things to float on and hold on to. And I said, well, Earl, what were you thinking of when you were out there in that oil about to die? Maybe sharks would come about. He said, I was thinking about a chili cheese dog at Coney Island. And, um, you know, he got saved later in life, about 25 years after he got home from the war and became a wonderful uh, Christian gentleman and a a great person that I enjoyed. So thank you again for all veterans. Every one of you hold a dear place in my heart because I get to do what I'm about to do. And I get to do what God called me to do, which uh, you have made it easier. I'm not getting my fingernails pulled off because I preach the gospel in some cell somewhere. I'm still here and uh, free. Amen. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to Luke chapter 23, verse 39 through 43. I want to speak today on the subject, the man who barely made it. The man who barely made it. My prayer that I've been praying about in terms of this message is threefold. I pray today that if you are one who needs Christ, 
And you need to know God in the right way, the real way, the accurate way. And that is through Christ that you would come to the Lord Jesus Christ today. And second, my prayer is, is that if you are a Christian, you are saved, and you know the Lord, and you know God through Christ, that you will garner within you a greater confidence in the accomplishment of the cross of Christ and the power of the cross of Christ to save. And you will have confidence in His saving grace by which you are saved. And then my third is that if you are saved, that you will be motivated to get a mission. Who's your mission? And you will be motivated to get a mission, at least one, for our emphasis and for the glory of Christ above all. So let us consider the man who barely made it. Verse 39. And one of the malefactors who were hanged railed at him, saying, If thou be the Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. You may be thinking that the subject of the message today is this man who beseeched the Lord and asked of God to be remembered when he came into his kingdom. To whom Jesus responded, Today you will be with me in paradise. Well, while he was saved just before he died, in terms of of barely making it to heaven, he did not barely make it to heaven. He was as close to heaven as you and I are in Christ today, one heartbeat away. And so I'm not talking about him today because nobody barely makes it to heaven if you think somebody can barely make it to heaven, it is because you've been conditioned by the false doctrine that says salvation is based upon what we do. And if we do good, we're in heaven. If we don't, we won't. But nobody makes it to heaven. Don't you know the old hymn we sing? Jesus made it all, all to him we owe. Sin had left a crimson. You say, that's not right. Well, it's not right in terms of the song, but it's right in theology. Jesus is the way to heaven. We make it by way of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to get out of our understanding, out of our heads, this idea that somebody can be saved by the skin of their teeth. Where is that in the Scriptures? Well, you might say, well, preacher, what about where Paul says, you are saved yet so as by fire? Well, he's talking about rewards. He's not talking about salvation. He's not talking about the grace of God that saved you. You don't get to heaven by the skin of your teeth. You get there by the grace of God through faith. So nobody makes it to heaven. Jesus makes it. 
When the Holy Spirit of God convicts you of sin and righteousness and you respond in faith with repentance and confession of sin, the Holy Spirit applies the blood of Christ. He applies to you the merits of the Lord Jesus Christ and you are accepted by God in Christ. How in the world do you think you barely make it? You get to heaven with the boldness of the Lord Jesus Christ. You enter heaven with Jesus. It's not you saying, I'm with Jesus. It's Jesus saying, he's with me. You don't barely make it to heaven. Good night of living. Get that out of your mind. Jesus said to this man, yes, you're going to die today, and you'll be with me. He got with Jesus as he hung on the cross when he said, remember me, you won't barely make it to heaven. You're going to enter there by provided grace, propitiating blood, the powerful gospel, and the perpetual priesthood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Two weeks ago, we preached a sermon on whatever happened to hell. Remember that? And we went to Luke 16, and we talked about two men who died. One of them was a rich man who died and went to hell, and the other was a beggar named Lazarus who died and went to heaven. The Bible says the rich man died and went to hell. The Bible says Lazarus died, and the angels of God escorted him to heaven. How in the world do you think you barely make it when the angels of God escort you when you die? And if you do not die and you get to go with their rapture, you're talking about trumpets, you're talking about fanfare, you're talking about floating up in the sky. How in the world do you think that's barely making it? Amen? I think a few of you got it. A few of you are sitting there like bumps on a log. This ought to make a Baptist shout. Amen? You don't barely make it. You get to heaven by the blood of Christ. He ever pleads for you. Good night living. No wonder we're so weak and no wonder we're so, no wonder we think of ourselves as a hospital with a bunch of sick folk in it. The victory fact is, as we get to heaven by the shed blood of Christ, by his grace through faith. And we have as a bold interest as him. Paul said it this way to the church of Colossians. Now, this is one of my favorite texts of Scripture. And you would do well. Uh, to look at it and study it, maybe memorize it. But you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, referring to Jesus. Hath he quickened you together with him. His life is your life. Your, his life is your life. That's pretty powerful. And you hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which were contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Colossians 2, 13 and 14. You don't barely make it to heaven. Have confidence in the gospel, dear friend. Have confidence in the grace of Christ. Have confidence in him keeping his promises. 
whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have confidence in our Savior. So, I'm not preaching on the man who boldly went to heaven by way of Jesus Christ. We're going to consider the man on the other side. And I will tell you today, this is the man who said, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. He had all the opportunity in the world. And when he left this world, he was in hell. That's a sad thing. So I want to talk to you today about the man who barely made it to hell. He barely made it to hell. There's people in this room who are going to barely make it to hell, but the sad fact is they're going to make it. They're going to make it. But they're barely going to make it to hell. And so this man had to overcome three major obstacles to get to hell. He had to overcome three major obstacles to be in hell where he is now, according to what the Scriptures teach us about hell. Do you remember when Paul was saved, or who was then Saul? He was saved on the road to Damascus. Remember that? That's a marvelous account of God just knocking a man off his high horse. And uh, Saul, who would become the great apostle Paul, he's on the ground, he's blind, and he's confused, and, and uh, the voice says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you? He said, Saul, and this is what he said, it's hard for you to kick against the goads, G-O-A-D-S, the goads, and he's talking about ox goads that just prod an ox along. And what God said to Saul was this, Saul, I have been prodding you along. You remember when you held the clothes when Stephen died? You remember how you observed this godly man going to heaven with all boldness and confidence as you threw rocks at him and you held their clothes? You've been kicking against that, Saul. You've been kicking against that. I've been dealing with you, Saul. It's hard to go to hell when you're being goaded by the Holy Spirit. This man, I guess you could say, had three goads. What did he have to overcome to go to hell? What did this man have to overcome to go to hell? Well, let's look and see. First of all, he had to overcome the condemnation of his own sins. He had to overcome the condemnation of his own sins. Our text tells us that both these men were malefactors. The word simply means one who does wrong, and it's a very strong word. It's a very strong word implying one who does wrong, and it speaks to the man's nature and his intent in life. He fully intended to do wrong. He fully intended to live this life. And uh, he was wrong on all counts. Three things he was wrong on, which, were, which probably many lost people are wrong on. First of all, he was wrong. His actions, his actions in life were wrong. 
In Scripture, he's called a thief. Now, it's probable that he was tied with Barabbas, who was the insurrectionist and a committed murderer in the insurrection. Mark 15 tells us that. And his actions brought him to death. And, of course, Barabbas was let go. But this man and his friend, his cohort, are crucified with Jesus in the middle. The wages of his actions was crucifixion on a Roman cross. Not only that, but his approach to Christ was, law, was sinful. While Luke gives us the greatest account of these, these men, Matthew and Mark give us one verse each about both of these men. Matthew says that the religious leaders of the day who hated Jesus and wanted him crucified were there at the foot of the cross and they hurled insults at Jesus and, and um, over and over again. One of the most vile things they said was, is he trusted God, let's see if God will deliver him now. If, we'll, if God would have him. That's what they said. If God will have you, let him deliver you now. That's what the religious leaders said. And the next verse after that says that the thieves cast the same in his teeth. Now that's a figure of speech. They just didn't say it to him. They said it to him hard. They said it to him hard with grit and cast it into his teeth. If these words were physical, it would have knocked his teeth out is what it's saying. It was so hard and harsh. And the grammar indicates that it was a relentless, relentless mocking. And that's how he approached Christ, with zero humility. But his attitude, also his attitude about salvation was sinful. Our text says he railed at Christ. If you are the Christ, this man said, save yourself and us. Now notice, he believed that Jesus had power. He believed that Jesus had ability while he was even hanging on the cross. If you're the Messiah, save yourself and us. But he wasn't wanting to give the Christ glory and worship and praise he was wanting the Christ to get him off the cross. He was wanting the Christ to rescue him from the condemnation of his sin, but he was not wanting to repent of his sin. He had the wrong idea about what Jesus does. See, Jesus does not save us in our sins. He saves us from our sins. That's why the Bible says, Repent, or ye all likewise perish. That's why uh, the gospel is preached and it's always a message of repentance, turning from sin. He didn't want to repent. He just wanted to be accepted and delivered. And he overcame the condemnation of his own life. Consider your life. What is God showing you? What is not working out? What is bringing condemnation to you? What is bringing trouble to you? You must repent and trust Jesus. 
Let me ask you one more question before we move to the next obstacle he overcame to get to hell. Do you have a loved one, a nephew, a niece, a grandchild, great-grandchild? Do you have a sibling, a child, somebody whose life's decisions are wreaking havoc with them. It's bringing them to destruction sooner or later. One day, their behavior is going to catch up with them, and it's going to be disastrous. Do you know anybody like that? Let me tell you who that person is, folks. That person's your mission. That person's your mission. You need to fill out a blue card on them and make it one of your missions. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. They need you to pray for them. Reach out to them with the gospel of Christ. They are like this man here. This man had to overcome the failures of his life and the condemnation those failures brought in order to get to hell. Don't let that be the person you know. Don't let it be the person you know. Second of all, he um, had to overcome the conversion of his friend. This one thief who was saved on the other side of Jesus lived just, a, I don't know, an hour's, how, how long, but it was not hours by no means, just a few if at the most. And uh, he was saved, and it's real interesting, he became two things. He became one of the greatest Christians that ever lived. And he became one of the greatest theologians that ever lived. I mean, he got everything right. He got the lordship of Christ right. He got eschatology right about the second coming and the kingdom. He got the doctrine of sin right. He got the doctrine of salvation right. He got the uh, uh, omniscience, the all-knowingness of God right. He got a whole lot of... We could preach all day on this, on this man's systematic theology. He, I mean, he, it's amazing what God will teach you when you're saved. But he became a great Christian. Now, I want you to know something about this. He never tithed. He never gave a dime. He didn't support our challenge budget. He didn't do it. He never served on security duty. He never volunteered at the church. He never got to hand out gift bags to veterans. Poor guy. Wasn't even able to get baptized. But he went right on to obey the Great Commission and get a mission. Wow. He did in just a few hours, and I hate to say it, I'm not trying to insult anybody. He did in just a few hours what most church members don't do in decades. 
He got a mission. And his friend had to overcome his conversion and his testimony in order to get to hell. I love how he said it. Hey, what are you talking about? We're sinners. We deserve this. That's confession of sin. That's confession of sin. Lord, remember me because I want to forget it. That's repentance. When you come into your kingdom, that's faith. And his opposite had to overcome the testimony of his friend in order to go to hell. Let me give you the ingredients of a testimony. Okay, now, you go home today and you make me a cake, you're going to have to put the ingredients in it, right? Or it's not going to be a cake. You don't put all the ingredients in it. It might be awful-tasting flatbread. But you've got to put the ingredients in it before you have a cake. Well, before you have a testimony, you've got to have two ingredients. You know what they are? Conversion and communication. Conversion and... Com that's, that's this man's too. Conversion and communication. And what makes that cake so beautiful? What makes that testimony so beautiful? That cake has that icing on it. Boy, don't you just love that icing and little sprinkles or something? The icing on your testimony that makes it appealing is your life in Christ. But you don't have a testimony if you don't have a conversion. It's true, folks. Many people don't want to share the gospel because they don't have it to share. They've never been saved. When this man got saved, he started, he got converted. He changed. His life changed. He went from casting the same in Jesus' teeth to saying, we're guilty. We deserve this. Lord, remember me. Now, if you were a thief and an insurrectionist and a murderer, perhaps, would you say, Lord, remember me? That's what he did. He didn't try to cover it up. A changed life and conversion. I think the great preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon put it like this and said it best. Read the quote with me. Read it quietly. Think about it. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go unwarned or unprayed for. Let no one go to hell unwarned and unprayed for. That's what Who's Your Mission is about. That's what we're trying to do. That's where I'm leading the church. That's where I'm going.
Some of you have said, I'm going with you. You've got to come and be the church. We're one of three on these crosses. We're not Jesus. He's our Lord. Let's be the one who says, we deserve this. Would you turn with me and be saved? He had to overcome the conversion of his friend. Before this, before, about this thief, before his self died, he died to self. He didn't turn inward and say, woe is me, Lord, hurry up and hasten my death so I can get to heaven. Lord, this is too painful. Lord, I'm saved, I know it, but help me out here. No, he turned and faced away from himself and said, we deserve this. We deserve this. Don't you know we deserve this? Call upon the Lord with me. Receive forgiveness. You too can be with him in paradise. This man had to overcome the calamity and the condemnation of his own life in order to go to hell. And then this man had to overcome the conversion of his friend to get to hell. And he lived his Christian life for others, his friend did. Third, to get to hell, he had to overcome the cross of Christ. You know, the cross of Christ is a divider. It divides between heaven and hell. It divides between the saved and the lost. It's a divider. Uh, the cross of Christ is not something cute that we wear around our neck. And, and No, the, the biblical idea of the cross of Christ is more than a symbol, more than a decoration, more than an icon of our faith. It is an ugly, terrible, beautiful thing, as the song says. And it is where sin was paid for and the wrath of God was inflicted and where the grace of God and the love of God was manifested. Paul said it this way in this he said, was the love of God. John said it this way, and this was the love of God manifested that he sent his son into the world. And he's talking about the cross. Paul says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He went to the cross. And to overcome all the, to, to, to overcome the cross, you, you have to overcome the cross to get to hell like this man did. I think of the cries from the cross. When those men nailed Jesus' hands and feet to the cross, they heard him say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. An amazing thing. Billy Graham says that he believes that the soldiers who, who nailed Jesus to the cross were saved because God would answer his prayer. I do not know. I do know this. Jesus prayed for the lost. We need to pray for the lost. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That old thief heard that. 
He saw all that. He saw, uh, he saw and heard Jesus show great concern for his mother. Remember that? He looked down and there was Mary with John, his cousin. And he said, he said hey, John, behold your mother. And he looked at his mother and said, behold your son. I wonder what kind of family this thief had. I don't know what kind of family he had. But I know he wasn't concerned about his mother. All he was concerned about was getting off that cross. But he heard Jesus' care and compassion. He heard those seven statements from the cross. He heard the cry of confidence when Jesus said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He heard the cry of confidence when it came time to die. What a glorious thing that is, to have such confidence. Years ago, I had a friend whose son was diagnosed with, with the cancer, and they took him to St. Jude. And uh, oh, Rick and Rick said, we were in the waiting room, and there was another family in there with the same situation we are in. And he said, we sat through that ordeal with the confidence of the grace of God. And he said, those people asked us, how can you have such confidence? And he said, because we're praying people and we're Christian people. And he would lead that mom and dad to the Lord. And both their children would survive. Thank the Lord. That man saw that. He saw the difference. He had to bypass and overcome the cataclysmic events surrounding the cross. Jesus would, would be dying on the cross, and when he became sin for us and took our sin and the wrath of God, the Bible says it was midnight at midday, and there was darkness that permeated the whole of the planet. An eclipse at noon. And um, the earth shattered. And it was a cataclysmic events. And the centurion were to bow down and say, truly this was the Son of God. So maybe Jesus' prayer did get answered. That thief had to see those things. And an amazing thing. But you know what I believe? I believe when we have cataclysmic events on this planet, we ought to use them as opportunity to share the gospel of Christ. So next time we get a hurricane down here, instead of griping about the insurance company, why don't we start praising the Lord that we have an opportunity to win people to Christ? That's good preaching whether you like it or not. The cataclysmic events surrounding the cross, the darkness, the conversions at the cross, his friend, the centurion, See, the cross has a call to it. When it's proclaimed, it calls men and women and boys and girls to repentance, to salvation. The Holy Spirit is always present at the cross. There's some men here who would say, Preacher, I feel guilty because I did not anticipate 
I, I didn't think I'd even participate in um, who's your mission. Well, that's because we're preaching the cross that you feel that. It's not pressure for me. It's the cross challenging you to be what it's all about. Challenged you to be what God called you to be when you came to the cross. There's people here who will say, well, preacher, I, 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 just, I, I just have a, a hole in me and I don't, I, don't, uh, I don't know if I know God or God knows me or what have you. Well, that's because we're preaching the cross. And it's what the cross does. It's what the Holy Spirit does with the cross. It's a divider. And it calls you to come to Christ. It calls you to come to the Lord. You say, well, I'm already a Christian. Then come to the Lord in discipleship and obedience and get a mission. Fulfill the Great Commission. You don't know the Lord. Come to the cross and let, and let him cleanse you from your sin and be saved from your sin and your guilt and come to know the Lord and be obedient to him and follow through with believer's baptism and be faithful to him because of the cross. The cross. The fact is, this man barely made it to hell. The sad and eternal fact is, he did make it. He did make it. He, he overcame every hurdle to hell. Isn't it a wonderful, gracious God we have who has made it hard to go to hell? who has brought you here to First Baptist Ocean Springs to hear about a man like you, a person like you, who needs the Lord. Because it's going to be hard to leave here lost today because of the call of the cross. Maybe somebody's watching this on YouTube. We get, we get a whole lot of people we, we see from different parts of the world, of the world watching us. And it's time for you to come to Christ, the call of the cross. You have to overcome these things. And so, my friend, the invitation is very simple. First of all, I want to invite you today to trust in the cross if you're saved, to have confidence in Christ to have confidence in what he accomplished, that your sins are dealt with and you are saved by grace and you believe the gospel and that's what you're trusting. You're not trusting your own merit, you're trusting the gospel. That's the invitation. Second part of the invitation is this. Will you here we go again. Will you do what we've been asking you to do? Will you rededicate yourself to placing yourself under the Lordship of Christ in obedience to the Great Commission right here at home? Will you pray and ask God to burden you for one soul? It could be somebody who is heading to destruction like this man. But somebody who needs to be saved now. They're, not, they're lost. They don't know Jesus. Will you pray and ask God to burden with you with one soul? Will you make that person your mission? 
Will you make that person your mission for 2023? Will you put them on the list? I know that sounds very simple, but there's no other way to put it. Put them on the list so we can be on mission together. Get one of these blue cards. They're right over there, they're right over there, and they're right back there. We even got them in the activities building for Wednesday night. You can go online and get them, fbcosms.com, and who's your mission, and you can fill it out online, and we'll get it, and you just fill it out. And we're going to pray. I'm going to pray for them, and uh, we're going to pray for them, and you, the church, put them on the list so we can have our mission together. Will you commit to pray for the missions of your church family? Will you... Make this commitment formal on January 22nd, 2023rd. Who's your mission Sunday? I'm asking you to do this. That's the invitation. And theologically and biblically and in terms of our Christian life, it is the call of the cross. It is the call of the cross. Who's your mission? And then... Will you call upon the name of the Lord? The third invitation, part of the invitation, will you call on the name of the Lord to be saved? If you go to hell, you're barely going to make it. You're barely going to make it, but you will make it. You're so close. One man here, one of these thieves who became a former thief, became a saint of God. Amen? A saint of God, one of the greatest Christians ever lived. I want to meet him when I get to heaven. He was on the threshold of hell, but he went to heaven. This man that we talk about today was on the threshold of heaven, but he went to hell. He barely made it, but he made it. Would you come to Christ? Would you come to the Lord Jesus and be saved today? We'll help you with that. We'll help you make that commitment, make that decision. We'll help you talk to the Lord. And the way we do it in our church is we stand up here in a little bit and we sing a song. And we stand and we sing this song and I stand up here. It's not because it's Mike Barnett. It's just the pastor. That's what he does. And you walk down the aisle. You come down here during the song. Don't be embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. If somebody laughs at you, they're the devil's people. They're Satan's people. They're trying to hinder you from being saved. They're not your friend. But I guarantee you here at First Baptist Church, there's people who will pray for you. When they see you, they will say, Lord, bless that person, help that person. Whatever decision they have to make. And that's the invitation for you to come forward and say, I want to be saved. I want Christ if that's the way the Spirit's leading you. And I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. And that's the invitation to pick up a blue sheet and have a mission, dear church member. And that's the invitation to have confidence in the gospel, to have confidence that the gospel can save people. You know, we talked about that person in, that you know who is, who is just uh, uh, on a downward spiral in life and he's heading to death and he's heading to hell or she and it doesn't look good and they, they need to be saved. They need to be saved from their sin and they need to be saved from the life they're living, which is sin. Reminds me 
long time ago, one of our grandmothers in our church said, Pastor, I need you to, to pray for my grandson and, and, and maybe you can help him. And I said, well, we'll pray for him, but how do you think I could help him in addition to pray? You know, there's nothing you, you can do other things besides pray, but there's nothing you can do without prayer. And you've got to have God's help. And she said, well, he's on drugs and he's, he's living a terrible lifestyle and I'm worried about him. And she said, I've already talked to him. He's willing for you to take him to the home of grace. And I said, well, let's tell me where he is. I'll go get him. And we, we, I went and got him. And I was driving up Ocean Springs Road, heading up to the home of grace. And uh, he was asking me, and I was asking him questions, and we were talking, and, and uh, he had an excuse and everything, 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 everything. You know how it is. You can't tell him anything. And I said to him, you know what your problem is? One of your problems is you have the sin of pride. He said, what do you mean? I said, you won't listen to anybody. And he got mad. And I thought he was going to attack me there in my truck. I really did. And uh, I took one hand off the steering wheel. I'll tell you that right now. Well, I finally got him up there, and it was the same thing up there at the home of grace. Took him to see Martin Britt. And prayed for him. He didn't stay. Prayed for him. Prayed for him. Talked to the grandmother about him. And about a year later, I go to a lumber yard. Miss Tracy has some projects for me. So I go to the lumber yard, and a young man comes to load my truck up, and he says, Do you remember me? And I said, I sure do. How you doing? He said, Man, I've come to the Lord, and I'm saved, and I'm clean, and it's a struggle, and it's hard. But I, I have help, and I... I'm where I need to be right now. See, God can save old thieves. Amen. God can save people on a downward spiral. By the way, anybody who's not saved is on a downward spiral. That's the three-point invitation. Will you respond? It's between you and the Holy Spirit. Let's stand for our song of appeal. This is Cole Andrews. Thank you for tuning in to our sermon podcast. I just wanted to encourage you to visit our website, fbcosms.com.